Well, my cup is already full. I don't know about you. I tell you, it's been a blessing being here tonight and uh, listen to these kids. I tell you, last time I heard these girls play the piano, they were kind of breaking up as they went through, but it was just, it flowed so well. They've learned. God's blessed them so much. And and Faith and Sam, I think the first time I saw them, they were only three feet tall or something. And they were singing at a fellowship, and Sam hit a wrong note and stopped or something, and she looked at him and said, what are you doing? <laughs> and I thought, God's going to bless those kids, and he has. And uh, just, to, just to see them now going off to see what God has for them, it's such a blessing. This church means an awful lot to me. This is um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know me. My name is Garrick Elsie. That's my wife. If you want to see an answer to prayer, just look back there in that black sweater. And uh, she's my precious wife. God's blessed us tremendously, and up until two weeks ago, I guess we were members of this church since 2007 and uh, well I tell you I've seen a lot of things happen here a lot of these kids growing up some of them growing up and gone uh, some of them growing up and got bald headed <laughs> a lot of things going on in this church and it's been good I tell you the Lord's blessed tremendously and um, to hear what God's doing in the life of these missionaries it's just amazing uh, to hear, but yet it's not amazing to know what God is capable of. I mean, he, he just does that. Isn't that like God just to be good, just to answer prayer, just to be there when you need him, and just to have things laid out before you even get to the problem? He's got, the, he's got it solved, and God's just good, and... Uh, I tell you, he's. We had uh, this morning. We had a memorial service in our church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, up in Jacksonville, Texas. Uh, it's very similar to this church. Uh, in fact, they support some of the same missionaries and know a lot of the same preachers. And Brother Mark Thrift was just preached a couple weeks ago up there, and um, Brother Wayne Hudson, people that probably you know, and uh, they. They support some of the same missionaries and everything, but Brother uh, George Wade, uh, I remember him from years ago. I think he came through Tomball when we were pastoring over there, and then he's been here to this church, him and his wife, Twala, and um, she died in her sleep uh, yesterday, and uh, his five daughters were there. Uh, They were with her and everything, and... For him to get up and uh, in the memorial this morning, the first thing he did was get up and talk about how good God was, and he preached to the lost. And uh, he said, "If everything's gone, just give me Jesus." And I, I, that song meant so much. So uh, I just thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for the way y'all treated my son Kenneth and and Brooke and my spoiled grandbaby and I tell you just uh, everything has been so 
so good. And I just uh, thank the Lord for all his goodness. I, uh, I won't keep you too long tonight. I've got something that's been on my heart. Uh, I preached it to my wife the other day, and I, I didn't know at the time that what God was doing. But he's added some things to it. So I've only got six points and about four or five sub-points. So, um, But I, I, I was reading in the book of Proverbs, and, and I came across, you know, sometimes I don't like to read some of Proverbs because of the ugliness that it brings out uh, about mankind and the things that are in the world that can tempt you and draw you away, destroy your life, and and all those kinds of things. And as old as I am, I've experienced some things that, you know, like some other people, that you don't want other people to experience. I hope these kids growing up never experienced some of the things in the world that I have experienced through the years. But I thank the Lord for His redeeming grace and His love and His mercy and His restoring and and his forgiveness and all the wonderful things about the Lord. I thank him for that. And I was reading uh, in chapter 8 and chapter 9, and uh, God put some thoughts into my heart about wisdom. And I ask God for wisdom. I know, you know, you. a lot of people talk about, well, uh, he's got wisdom in this area. He's got wisdom in that area. He knows this. He knows that. And pretty much they're just talking about good common sense. Uh, good common sense is not what the Bible talks about wisdom. That's man's wisdom. Uh, that's just learning things and seeing things on, on our level and, uh, and understanding some things about, uh, you know, it's good common sense. The Bible talks about not taking a dog by the ear. I don't know about you, but I'm not going in somebody's yard and grab a dog by the ear. That's just good common sense if you don't want to get bit. But that's not what the Bible is talking about, the wisdom from above. And and so I want to bring out a few things, and I'll just basically give you some scriptures and, and a few thoughts, and, and I'll try to hurry through this because... Um, you know, it is Sunday, Namar's Brent's birthday, and I'm sure he wants to get plenty of rest tonight and and all that. He's getting old, and so uh, uh, we don't want, don't want to wear him out. But wisdom, sometimes you try to put things into, into simple words uh, so that you can understand it. And the Bible pretty much explains wisdom all through the Bible. It pretty much explains uh, what wisdom really is. But I asked the Lord, give me just a few short sentences that I might can help convey that. And so the Lord gave me just a few things. And if you've got other things, write those down and just keep a list. But in my case, when I come up against something in my life that as I'm serving God and need direction in something and have decisions to make and there are options out there and I don't know what to do, I ask God to give me wisdom. And God does give me wisdom. Uh, many times I have not used it. I've made some very stupid mistakes in my life knowing better. 
But I thank God that when when I really need wisdom and want to use wisdom, he said let if a man asks, uh, let him not think he'll receive anything of God if he's if he asks wavering. And there have been times when I've asked and I didn't get it because I was wavering. But when I was serious with the Lord, God gives us wisdom. And to me, it was God's given ability to judge righteously. And by the way, wisdom that God gives, from what I've read in the scripture, God gives it to his people. It's not something that God just passes out to everybody in the world. Because wisdom in the Bible from above has to be able to be received by those that have already received something from above. And so to judge righteously in a situation, you have to have God-given wisdom. People always go back to the book of, of what First Kings where it talks about Solomon judging between the two women that lived together. Both of them had babies. One of them in the night rolled over on her baby and it died. And so she got up in the night, put her dead baby with the other woman and took the living baby to herself. When the real mother woke up, she saw the baby was dead, realized it wasn't hers, and they began to argue. So they went before the king and the king listened to their argument and then he said, give me a sword. And so he, they brought him a sword and he said, now divide the baby and give both of them half. Now that was very wise. Why? Because God had given him an understanding of what a real mother was like. And he knew that a real mother would love her child to the point of being able to give it up rather than see it harmed. And so when the mother said, no, don't, don't give it to her, he knew this is the real mother. And so, you know, God can give you wisdom. And that to me is, is how God works in our life. The ability to see as God sees. The overlapping. How many of you have ever seen those books of like, Possibly of a, a war map, you know, where armies come together, or sometimes they even have in biology, they have uh, pages that are see-through, and it has certain organs on one page and another, and you put them all together, you see the whole body, but when you take them apart, you don't get the whole picture. But God sees everything, and he gives us wisdom to see it the way it is. Not to use our human understanding and suppose it to be so, but to actually understand the way it is and to be able to make a choice by faith. The spiritual, it's an overlapping of the spiritual onto the circumstances of life, having understanding in line with God's word, with his truth, his principles, and the knowledge to use it. Something about wisdom. If, if I want to understand something from the Word of God, and I ask God to give me wisdom, the Holy Spirit being my teacher, God can give me wisdom. But God many times wants us to learn some things 
in order that when he gives us the key of wisdom, then we have something to express it with, some knowledge, some base of understanding in order to use it. Just like Solomon understood some things about uh, the wife. Wisdom comes better to those that study the word of God. Just simply that way. We make fewer foolish mistakes when we know the word of God. And when we are submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life, we can make those wise choices when God gives us that wisdom. It makes life a whole lot easier. And and I want to show you some things. You know, the Bible says, let me just uh, let me just read it. I want to I don't want to try to quote because I'm uh, I don't know why, but y'all make me nervous. Um how many of you have never been up here and look at look out there at what's going on? Uh, <laughs> it, it gets me. I sit over here crying through those songs because of what God's done in my heart in the in the past year. Uh, just the words of those songs touches my heart and and and. Uh, and used to, I could picture the people singing. But now when the song, I picture Christ holding me and protecting me and loving me. I see me and him together during those songs. And it makes it so much better. Preachers get up and they preach and, <laughs> and singers get up and they sing about the joy of the Lord and everybody's. Uh, you know, uh, well, that's the last commercial. Uh, I want to tell you something. Uh, in the book of James, chapter 1, the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, God is not going to give wisdom to someone that's unstable. Uh, some of you know Brother Tony Monk. <laughs> Uh, pastors up in uh, Mississippi. Well, his son, Tony Monk, goes to our church. And uh, we were we had a, a laugh the other day because I asked him where he worked, and he said, well, I work in Rusk at the state hospital. And uh, he said, but they let me out to come to church. <laughs> so, anyway, he's... Uh, He's not a picture of being unstable. He's very stable in an unstable world. Um, wisdom. We can watch TV and listen to the news and hear all kinds of people say all kinds of things that are not very wise. 
One of the things that I've noticed and, and my brother brought to my attention the other day, and my brother does not go to a church. He used to, but anytime you get in his truck, I mean, he works all the time building houses. Anytime you get into his truck, he's either listening to preaching or gospel music. He's burdened about things. But he told me the other day, he said, you know, I've got to where I can't listen to preaching hardly on the radio anymore because all they want to do is talk about politics. Now, all they want to do is solve the problems of this political scene, those kinds of things. And it's very unwise for preachers, myself included, to get caught up in the politics of the world. We all have our own personal opinions and things, and but yet to put that above preaching the gospel and preaching the truth of God's word. I believe it's in Second Timothy chapter 2 where it talks about being a good soldier and not, well, I don't want to do that again. Second Timothy chapter 2. Listen to this verse. I'm talking about wisdom tonight. Chapter 2, verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth, now he's talking about warring, a spiritual warfare. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If we're going to be soldiers, can you imagine the soldiers in our military going out onto the field and having to get entangled with all other things and not do the mission they're called to do? Where would the army be? That's the same way with God's people. You know, people have said that different things have have ruined this nation. I tell you what's ruined this nation is a lack of wisdom of God's people. God didn't tell the world to save the world. He didn't tell the world to preach the gospel. He didn't tell the world to live Christ-like. He didn't tell the world to do the work of an evangelist. He didn't tell the world to to do all the things that Christ told us to do. He told the church. And, you know, I have seen in my lifetime a very lack of wisdom amongst the church. Now, I didn't come here to point fingers or make things look bad. That's not my purpose. My purpose is for us to see the necessity of wisdom in our life as a true soldier of the cross. Now, I want to show you some things from the Word of God. If you look with me in Proverbs chapter 8 and Proverbs chapter 9, I just want to read a few things and make a few comments and we'll go to the house. I wrote down here the preparation of wisdom. The preparation of wisdom. The Bible says before a king goes to war, he sets down and 
pretty much counts the cost. He sees what it's going to cost him to go to battle. And if you're going to build a house, you're going to sit down and do what they call a takeoff of a blueprint. You're going to see how many two-by-fours you need, how many board feet of this, and how many board feet of trim, and how many doors, how many windows, are they right hand, left hand? You know, all those kinds of things that you're going to do, and then you have to deal with the finances and make make plans for the finances and all that kind of stuff. My brother being a builder, I watch him do this all the time, and you have to take into account whenever you're pricing things that two-by-fours went up from $2.98 a piece to $9 while you're building a house. You've got to be able to sit down and plan these things out. Well, God did the very same thing for his people when it comes to wisdom. He sat down and he decided that we need it. He said that he would pre- the preparation of wisdom is this. Doth not wisdom cry, chapter 8, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way, in the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, Be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Over here in chapter 9, it says, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath uh, killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. So wisdom has made these preparations for men. She's uh, she's already she's got she's crying out from the highest places. She's not hidden away somewhere, but she's crying out from the highest places. She's calling out to everyone that will listen. She's uh, built her house. She has mingled her wine, or she has set her table for a feast for those that would come. And and she has uh, furnished that table. She's done everything possible for men to come and feast upon the wisdom of God. To enjoy the wisdom of God. To hear the wisdom of God. To apply the wisdom of God. The, the Holy Spirit is telling us here that wisdom from the before the creation, before the be, creation of the world, wisdom has made her plans and prepared her table. But then we also see the invitation of wisdom. Once the table is spread, wisdom invites. Chapter 9, verse 3. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Wisdom here is saying, look, I've set a table. Now I want you to come and dine. Come and feast. And then in chapter 8 again, 1 through 5, it talks about that. That she has 
she sent out that invitation. And then in uh, verses 10 through 11 of chapter 8, says, receive my instruction and not silver and, and knowledge rather than go, choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine. And sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. And so wisdom is talking about, look, I have laid the table out. I've got everything that you need to feast upon. And I'm asking you to come. And this is the invitation. Come. But then we see the explanation of wisdom in chapter uh, 8. Chapter 8, she says, this is what she will do. She will, in verse 6, I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Now, that's an explanation of what wisdom is going to do, what wisdom is. It's She speaks of excellent things, and the opening of her lips is right things. For my mouth shall speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that findeth knowledge. And then again in verse 12 through 16. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. And in that, she goes on and talks about the price of wisdom is far above rubies, far above anything that this earth can offer. We ought to desire the wisdom of God. Many times, people are faced with decisions on making jobs. My wife jokes with me sometimes. uh, She tries to bribe me. To do something. And she don't have to bribe me. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in this world that that are faced with financial choices and all kinds of choices. And they want to take a way out that helps them out financially knowing it's wrong. Wisdom is way better than that. Knowing how to do it right And seeking the wisdom of God and doing things right comes out, especially when you get to my age and you look back on things, you say, wow, I'm sure glad I did it God's way. Wisdom pays off. Wisdom is very profitable. And so that's the explanation. But the personification of wisdom, look in um, Proverbs 8 and some of these I go over again. 
He said, the Bible says here that in, uh, let's see, verse 20, I lead in the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of judgment that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance and I will fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting. I'm talking about the person of wisdom. From the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, Rejoicing always before him. Rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. That was wisdom. That was the person of wisdom. And then we see the desperation of wisdom. Chapter 8 and verse 32 Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. That's pretty desperate. Wisdom is crying out. Wisdom has prepared. Wisdom has invited. Wisdom has explained. And wisdom is desperate for the souls of men and the lives of men. Then we see the application of wisdom. Turn with me to Colossians. I want to read you just a few scriptures about the application of wisdom. You know, every time I get into the Bible and and try to study it seems like that every subject is connected to another subject. And that subject is connected to another subject. My wife and I, in our spare time, put puzzles together. We sit in our, in our bedroom, which is a big converted garage. It looks really, really nice now. But we, we sit in there at night 
or when it's too hot to work outside and we're tired, we'll get something cool to drink and we'll sit there and work on a puzzle. And you get frustrated because this piece is exactly the right shape. And the colors are exactly the right thing, but it won't work. And, and you know, when I get into the Bible, that's what I see. I see a huge puzzle. And you cannot begin to work on this piece of puzzle without it referring to something over here. And, and that would work back over here and then this over here. And, and it all is a beautiful picture. And, and God is in our life as we go from day to day enjoying our walk with Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit and the experiences that he allows us to, to go through. Uh, it's like he's showing us this picture. And we won't see it all until it's over. <laughs> and maybe we look back, maybe he lets us look back, you know, and, and see how it all fit together. But wisdom plays a key part. And you cannot separate wisdom from the Word of God. You cannot separate the wisdom from above from the Holy Spirit. You can't separate it from righteousness. You can't separate it from obedience. You can't separate it from the authority of God. You, it, it all works together. And so the application helps us, it helped me some to see some things more clearly. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 7, verse 7 through 11. He says, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Now look, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, Paul said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, but it's got to be in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God's will is tied up in his wisdom and spiritual understanding. A lot of people say, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I guarantee you, if you get on your knees and ask God to show you and get into his word and seek his will through his word, asking him for wisdom to give you the knowledge of his word, it'll speak to your heart. It will give you his will for your life. It will show you what God wants you to do. We hear of all these missionaries that have gone to the field. Every one of those missionaries will stand and give you a testimony of the verse of scripture or portions of scripture that God used to give them the wisdom to make the right choice at the right time to know where to go, when to go, all of these things. He puts it all together. And that's what Paul is saying here. The knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened, with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joy. That is the application of wisdom. And 
Look in chapter 2, verse 1. For I would not that you knew what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches in the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Je- and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You can't get it any other way. And he's saying here that all this wisdom and knowledge that has called us to come and and laid the table out and given us instruction and, and, and explanation and all that there is about wisdom in the Word of God, saying, come take of me. Why? He says, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God will give you exactly what you need as a child of God. Through his wisdom, as we gain knowledge and understanding, and then ask him for that wisdom, he will give it to us. He will make our life more clear and more plain and more obvious as we go through these things. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You know, that that extends the phrase where some people say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I've heard people say that. But it says in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So if we dwell in Christ, the Word of God dwells in us richly through wisdom. It'll teach us some things. It'll change our life. It'll make us different, make us more like Christ. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, he says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. When I went to Mexico several years ago, uh, I went, drove a car with two other guys, and we had put a bunch of stuff in the trunk. We might not have was supposed to have done that, but we put a bunch of stuff in the trunk of the car. We were going down there to build a church, finish building a church. And my son Kenneth and I had been down there before, and we had done a lot of the work, but we went down there to, to finish. We got to the border, and everything was fine, no problem. We went through and got down to the 18-mile checkpoint, and they, there was a little building there, and a policeman came out. And one of the guys, the car was real dusty, it was dark green, and he had took his finger and made a smiley face on the top of the car. 
And that policeman walked out and he went to that side of the car and he saw that smiley face and he didn't smile. And he came around to me and he said, why are you here? And I, you know, I just told him, I said, we're down here to finish working on a church. And he said, show me your work permit. And I said, well, I don't have a work permit. And he said, well, you're under arrest. And he made me get out of the car. And this was a policeman with gun and everything else. Made me get out of the car. And walked all the way to the door of the building where he was going to go in and put me in jail. And I said, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. That's all I prayed, God. I need wisdom. And we got to the door. He turned around facing me right here. And he said, give me a reason why I shouldn't put you in jail. Now, he's speaking broken English, but he said, give me a reason why I should not put you in jail. And God at that time told me, tell him the truth. He wanted a bribe, I'm sure. <laughs> but God said, tell him the truth. And I'm sure my eyes teared up a little bit, but I said, sir, I've come down here because I love your people. I said, I come down here because I care about where they're going to spend eternity. And if that's against your law, then put me in jail. He said, go. <laughs> go. And I thank God. He gave me wisdom. But that's what I'm talking about. He says here, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We don't have to make excuses. We don't have to lie to people. We don't have to come up with, you know, some alternative reason or anything like that. We have nothing to apologize for. Just tell the truth. Ask God for wisdom. Sometimes God has given missionaries wisdom not to tell the truth at that particular moment, or not all of it. And you wonder, well, how? why would God tell them not to, you know? I, that's between them and God. But it saved their life and saved the ministry. So that's what I'm talking about. Your boss may not like you. <laughs> I told the truth one time to my boss, not with the right attitude, and he fired me. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be, it's got to be right. And then, uh, and then I want to read one more verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I know y'all are tired. I know it's Sunday evening. Our church is not even having service tonight because of it's the fifth or the fellowship Sunday. They set a, a time and they don't have Sunday evening on fellowship Sunday. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 21.
says, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Now it's comparing earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the manifestation of wisdom was when Jesus Christ came into this world. You see, in in the book of Psalms, I mean Proverbs, when it was talking about being there with God before the creation and being God's delight, that was the person of Jesus Christ. He is wisdom. God delighted in him. God saw him through all of that and through all of the Old Testament, and it was the wisdom of God that he sent, Jesus Christ. And all the fullness of God dwells in him. And it says here, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The word of God is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going to go through a trouble, if you see something ahead that you need to make a decision, or if you're in a situation now and you don't know what to do, get into the Word of God and understand that God loves you more than you can ever imagine. He loves you so much that He's already prepared the answer before you ask. He's already given you the words to say. He's already planned it out. He's already set the table. He's already, everything is set. And all you got to do is pray and seek the Lord and ask him to give you wisdom, not wavering, believing that God will give you the right answer and then use it. And when that happens, other people see and they'll marvel. They'll wonder, well, how in the world did that happen? Because God wants us to be not wise in our own conceit and our own wisdom and our worldly wisdom, but wise from above. I I hope and pray that I tried to share my heart with you, and I know that I don't do a good job sometimes of explaining what God explains to me. But... And I don't make an apology for preaching. I don't do that. Because God sent me here. He, he asked me, but God sent me. Somebody needed this. And so I, I pray that God will help you. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the wisdom of God that you do give us liberally. liberally. I thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the table that you set for us. Help us, Lord, to feast upon it. Help us, Lord, to dwell in your presence. Help us, Father, to to understand what you told your disciples in John 
chapter 15, Lord, that if we abide in you and your word abide in us, we can ask what we will to be done, Lord. Our desire, Father, as your children is to please you. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us in the days ahead. We don't know what's ahead of us. And yet, Lord, I know that you're there. You prepare things. You prepare our hearts through your word. Give us wisdom, Lord, we pray. We might honor you. That we might let the world see who we really are. The sons of God. The lovers of their souls, no matter how wicked they are. Because we have the love of Christ in us. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Brother Roger. And I pray you'll bless everyone that's here tonight. Thank you so much for these young people, these kids. What a blessing they are, Lord. And I pray that you'll help them, strengthen them, encourage them, and use them mightily. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.